At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Cabot Creamery, who makes nothing short of the cheese of my dreams. Peanut butter and jelly. Grilled cheese. Pastrami. Tuna salad. The Sandwich Universe. Welcome back to the Sandwich Universe, a place where sandwiches are everything. And everything is a sandwich. I'm Declan Bond, professional sandwich eater and self-proclaimed critic, aficionado, but also a total noob in the kitchen, learning as much as I can as I go. And I'm Molly Vaz. I am a cookbook author and recipe developer. And so I come to this podcast with many years of restaurant experience and cooking experience. And I'm here to share all of that with you, especially as it relates to really freaking bomb sandwich construction. Sandwich creation, sandwich artistry. We're on a mission to uncover just that, how to make really epic versions of 10 iconic sandwiches. Each episode, we've decided to focus on one sandwich and learn as much as we can, take questions and dive into the depths of that sandwich. So without further ado, this week's episode is the fried chicken sando. What do you think? An iconic sandwich? It's pretty iconic. It's definitely come to be, I feel like it's it's had a a recent resurgence, resurgence. yeah. In the last few years has been, I don't know if you're familiar with the chicken wars, but when Popeye's put their fried chicken sandwich on the menu in 2019, like people went cray cray banane for it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of these other fast food chains were like, oh, we need to up our chicken game. And so it's kind of been a war amongst the fast food restaurants in America for who makes the greatest chicken sandwich. Yeah. Did you find any interesting research about chicken sandwiches? Um, I did. I started to look around to fish around for the history of the fried chicken sandwich and like where the first known fried chicken sandwich appeared in America. And many people credit Chick-fil-A. It wasn't Chick-fil-A, was it? No, it, it wasn't. But most people do credit Chick-fil-A because it, it was popularized by Chick-fil-A, who, which, by the way, my dad calls Chickafil. Like he gets it, <laughs> he gets it backwards every time, and he calls it Chickafil. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but actually, I read in an article written by Ebony Magazine that 
the first known appearance of the fried chicken sandwich was in a black newspaper called Topeka's Kansas Whip. And there was a note about a fried chicken sandwich special at the Booker T Cafe. And that was all the way back in 1936. So I think it's important to acknowledge that certainly it wasn't just invented in the last few years when like media food media picked up on fried chicken sandwiches but furthermore chick-fil-a did not invent it and right, fried chicken right. has deep roots in america and so that's actually where this all began yeah and obviously one that has been glossed over yeah so fuck you chick-fil-a chick-a-phil <laughs> chick-a-phil and then now i feel like there's also all these like sub cultures of chicken sandwiches that are becoming way more popular again like i think nashville hot chicken is one that i've seen a ton of around and then of course there's a version of fried chicken like almost everywhere in the world and so maybe it's not in a sandwich schnitzel yeah schnitzel is fried chicken right yeah or like a milanese in italy or karage in japan yeah and korean fried chicken fried chicken i mean so there's just fried chicken is ubiquitous. All right. Well, should we take some calls, answer some questions about the fried chicken sandwich? We shall. We shall. But I also think that before we dive in, I just want to establish that the fried chicken sandwich that I got the most questions about were specific to the kind of fast food fried chicken sandwich that we've been talking about. And so that I think is the sandwich that we should tackle here. And yeah. we're going to make it better than all of them. Like we are entering the chicken wars. Team of two. Let the uh, games let begin. The, <laughs> let's take them. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Cabot Creamery. What some of you may not know about Cabot Creamery is that it is a B Corp, which means that not only do they feed the mouths of Americans with incredibly delicious cheese, but they do it in a sustainable, ethical, community-minded way. So we love Cabot. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. Our first question is coming in from at underscore Jaredog. Or is it Jared OG? No. Oh, maybe. (laughs) The OG Jared. Um, No, I think it's Jaredog. I used to have a screen name that was M-Dog. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. The ultimate chicken sando bun choice, question mark. You know, we've already sort of, I think in that question, Jaredog has established that we're talking about a bun. Big assumption. (laughs) We're not talking about sliced bread. (laughs) We're not, unfortunately, talking about sesame sourdough. Um, But I but I agree. Let's stay in the let's stay in the bun. I think it is a bun. I I mean, obviously, the running joke is sesame sourdough. But I, I feel like in this case, it really is not a feasible sandwich. Bread no. choice for like, the fried chicken The bun is that. it. It's there for a reason. I personally am a huge Martin's Potato Rolls fan, just in general. I like my burgers on them, and I like my fried chicken sandwiches on them, especially 
if you can find, and they're hard to find, the sesame seeded <laughs> Martin's <laughs> potato rolls. Like, I'm not kidding. Had to do it. You had to do it. it. Um, yeah, I, I do love those. Although, is there any other kind of bun? I guess just norm, normal bun. Like a hamburger bun hamburger that's not a potato bun. roll. Right. Or a Kaiser roll. Not or, I mean, roll. some people eat, obviously, fried chicken on biscuits. Or I feel like white bread, like Wonder Bread... Although yeah, I'm not sure that's like a, a Nashville sin- hot yeah, chicken Na- vibe. Exactly. Um, but I do like a bun. I think it's just the Martin's potato roll is kind of like the king of the the okay. hamburger bun kingdom. Question number two comes from at Rev Chad Brooks, who asks, I need Molly to convince me of any good reason why a thigh is not the perfect fried chicken sandwich. Um. I shall not. I shall not I shall convince not you of that. <laughs> I, that is the truth. Even with all of the seasoning and the brining and everything that you can do to chicken in preparation for frying it, which is like obviously cooking it and then potentially drying it out, chicken breast is always more likely to be dry and overcooked. And so I especially think that when it comes to frying chicken in a home kitchen, if you're not a fry daddy who's just slinging fried chicken all day long, like, and this is your first attempt at fried chicken, go for chicken thighs because they are A, more flavorful, B, more juicy, and C, a lot harder to mess up. And they're just tastier. They're just tastier. I mean, the dark meat is just always tastier. And I feel like the size is also a little bit better. Like when you get a whole full-size chicken breast it's a huge piece of meat right it's an awkward size actually it's got like a huge uh thick center the the um the breast and it it's just too much to bite through in a sandwich whereas the the thigh is much more uh, manageable in terms of bite by bite how it how it goes down and it's also just like the size and shape of a bun which is the vehicle that we are using here so it just makes a lot of sense so chicken Mm -hmm. thighs all the way chicken thighs all day okay here's another one coming in from at killadv my question is what is the best way to brine a chick or a chicken sando okay so you got a couple of options here Generally, there are two categories of brining. For anyone who doesn't know, brining is a process of like basically pre-seasoning your protein. And the seasoning not only seasons it and makes it taste better and taste seasoned, but it also can help it retain moisture and juiciness and plumpness. And so that's why we brine things. And there's dry brining and there's wet brining. Dry brining sounds fancy and is actually just seasoning with salt. Like straight up, if you're seasoning something with salt, you put salt on it. Sometimes you also put sugar on it because it it just like those two flavors together, those two ingredients together bring out a ton of flavor. And it's so it's seasoning it and letting it sit and, you know, letting it sit like overnight or for four, six hours to allow through osmosis the seasoning to penetrate through the meat. So that's what a dry brine is. So when I just like put salt on something, can I say that I'm dry brining it? No, because you're not, if unless you're if you're cooking it right away, it's seasoning, not brining. All right, all right, all right. No, okay, you can't. <laughs> um, and then wet brining is basically submerging a piece of meat in a 
water, salt, sugar solution or some kind of liquid that has salt and sugar and oftentimes other spices dissolved in it. And it's just another way to season a, a piece of meat. Um, a lot of times in fried chicken recipes, you'll you'll see buttermilk brine. So when you when you hear buttermilk fried chicken, that means that the chicken has been brined in a seasoned solution of buttermilk, salt, sugar, and some other things. Nice. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. So why buttermilk? So buttermilk is the byproduct of making butter. So whatever the liquid is that's left over after you've churned the butter and the butter has solidified, that leftover liquid is buttermilk. Got it. And buttermilk has pretty magical properties in terms of tenderizing and helping it to retain moisture. Um, and so it's a great, it's the obvious it's a great substance to brine something in. It is, but there I've also seen a lot of recipes, and I've never actually done this myself, for pickle brine. Mm. I do really believe in the power of buttermilk. So if, if my in my ideal fried chicken, there's a splash of pickle brine in my buttermilk brine, mm. and it's kind of like a combo yeah. platter. I mean here's the thing about fried chicken whether you dry brine or wet brine you are going to have to go into some sort of a wet mixture and then into a flour mixture that's the dredging process that creates the crust so in some ways if you already have to buy buttermilk in order to dredge and fry you might as well also brine your chicken in it but i also think there's a good argument for dry brining and just like seasoning your chicken a couple of days in advance keeping it in the fridge and then dropping it into buttermilk, if you wish. I just, it's sort of like, it's a storage question in your fridge. It's like, it's an effort question. It's, you, you can kind of go either way. Yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like, yeah, I know a lot more about brining. And given everything you just said, I do also want to use buttermilk. Uh, it sounds like the right way to go. And obviously, you know, you see it everywhere. So something's got to be up with that. And I am curious about the pickle juice in the brine. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get some, let's put some pickle brine in our buttermilk. I mean, because fried chicken is so, it's so fatty yeah. and just like rich. And I feel like that's why there's so much pickle on, you know, fried chicken sandwiches or it's, it's just like one of the staple things that is around pickle chips just have to be about. And so it, it kind of makes sense to me to like incorporate that. Yeah. I feel that. And I mean, let's be clear, we're also going to be putting pickles on whatever sandwich we invent here, but why not add some of we it to the brine? So many pickles. Of pickles. Um, millions. Okay, Deck, you want to take the next one? All right. At Ricardo's Cupcakes says, How do I get rid of the frying oil? No one ever talks about this. Mm, big, important tactical question. Yeah, I think this uh, is part of the, the kitchen. This is part of the bane of home frying. I know. It's the worst. Um, I actually save my frying oil for a while if it's not too mm -hmm. fried out. Like, I'll put it back in a container after it's cooled and, like, use it for a few fries. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If I, th is that a bad idea, by no, the way? No, that's I've not a bad idea. That. You just, um, the best thing to do is to strain out all of the little bits. Yeah, yeah. Because yep, that can, those can go rancid. So as long as you strain out whatever is left behind, you can totally reuse whatever oil you're frying in. And like you said, the best way to handle it is to just leave it on your stove and wait until it is absolutely room temperature, like the next morning. Don't even try to deal with it night of. And then the next morning, what I normally do is save the bottles that the oil came in because they're usually like 48 ounce bottles or whatever, and then pour it back into those 
into those containers. Yeah, seal them up and put them yeah, right back in the Yeah, and that's kind of the most efficient way to do it. All right, who's next? Coming in from at Rachel Saylor, who says, deep frying at home freaks me out. I know it's not really a big D, but talk me off the ledge. Honestly, all I can say is it is a frightful prospect, but once you do it, it's one of those things where you're like, you got the steps. It, you know, you're, I, I mean, I haven't been marinating actually with my deep fries usually because I just make French fries and stuff at home. But uh, I feel like with this process, it's, it's really simple once you're out of the brine stage and the brine stage sounds pretty straightforward as well. So you're just going to dredge it, you know, get the batter on it and then drop it in and it, it just does itself. Like you don't even have to do anything. You don't really have to tend to it other than to make sure that it's not completely getting blasted. I think that the most important thing is to have a deep fry thermometer because managing your the temperature of your oil is the most important part of deep frying. If it's too hot, it's going to burn before the insides are cooked. You're going to have raw fried chicken in the middle. It's going to be a disaster. If it's too cool, it will not crisp and it will get oil logged and soggy. And but that's just not a big deal. You just get it. You get a thermometer, a digital read thermometer. Um, and you're generally always looking for something in the like 350 to 385 range. I generally try to fry. I, I bring my oil up to 385 whenever I'm frying in anything, because I know that when I add a bunch of pieces of chicken or fish or whatever I'm frying, it's going to significantly yeah, drop. Come down. Yeah. yeah. And so then you're back in the like 350 range. And that's kind of perfect for deep frying. And then, yeah, I mean, it's like a little bit spattery and a little bit messy, but nothing unmanageable. And you can always clean up right after. And it's just really not that big a D. So that's that. And I think confidence is really important in the kitchen. You own the stove. You run the kitchen. It does not run you. You are the captain now. You are. You have the authority and the agency in, a, in your kitchen and not, no single appliance or pot does. And so I think it's important to remember that. Okay. At Gimme a Lolly asks, <laughs> can we pan fry? I don't know how to deep fry and I don't know if I have the right vessel for it. Well, if we didn't just pep you up into deep frying, <laughs> uh, I don't know what will, but I don't know. Ma, what do you think about pan frying? I think probably it's going to be okay. Yeah, I think, I mean... Pan frying, if we're it's talking about... It's a different about, sandwich, I guess, right? No, you can deep fry in a cast iron skillet. It's just um, you can't use as much oil and you have to be really cognizant of flipping and turning things because they're not fully submerged as they fry. And I just don't prefer to do it because the short sides of a cast iron skillet just mean that like you're there's just like more kind of oil splatter that's bound to happen. So I would always rather deep fry in a pot but if it makes you feel more comfortable to be like sort of semi shallow frying and cast iron, you totally can. You just want to make sure that there's like enough room between the piece of chicken and the bottom of the skillet that it's not actually physically touching the bottom of the skillet. It's just there's so much dredgy flour, uncooked flour on a piece of chicken. And there's so many nooks and crannies that if you're if you don't make sure that every bit of that is making contact with the oil, you will have raw flowery bits that will be unpleasant. Yeah. All right. That's enough about deep frying for today. <laughs> Here's a question from at underscore J Falls, who asks, what's the ideal sauce situation? Plain mayo, ranch. I am stressed. <laughs> okay, don't be stressed. 
or I'm going to get stressed and I don't want to get stressed <laughs> right now. Not plain mayo. No. I'm actually not ranch either. Um, maybe, though. Well, I, I, what maybe do you, I'm like, zhuzhed. What's your problem with ranch? I, I mean, I don't have any problems with ranch. It just better be flipping zhuzhed. No, it better I be flipping homemade. But I think something something interesting is is needed here. Yeah. So, okay. Bottom line is mayo or some kind of creamy, fatty, I hate how often I use the word lubricant on the show, but lubricant (laughs) is a crucial element of the fried chicken sandwich. It's what provides contrast to the crispy, crunchy bits. And it just binds the whole sandwich together. Like you've got a lot of loose, loose elements in there, the fried chicken, the pickles, um, and you need something to like get saucy and bind it all together. And also just like mayonnaise is delicious, so... You probably want mayonnaise on almost every sandwich. Which sandwich do, does not want mayonnaise except for the, the hoagie. hoagie and the PB and J? The PB and J. Let's not let's not interpret that that blanket <laughs> statement too much. Um. So I think one thing about the mayonnaise in a fried chicken sandwich is this is your opportunity to go buck wild with the seasoning, like. <laughs> The world is your oyster. You can add anything to mayonnaise. And so I think it's a great way to get creative Yeah, with the sandwich, whether that be, you know, adding like tar- taking it in more of the tartar sauce direction, like we once mm-hmm. talked about where you're like adding pickles, pickles and dill and capers and things like that, or whether it's making a sriracha mayo or like a chipotle the mayo. Spice. Or you're maybe you're just using aioli and there's just a little bit of garlic in it. Or you're doing an herby mayo. Like you literally, it's just there's like there are a few things you can't add to mayo to make it turn it into a really tasty sauce. Yeah. And so I I encourage everyone to be really creative when it comes to that. That said, I do think there's some things that, in particular, with a chicken sandwich that you should. We should definitely consider which are we're going to get acid in multiple places, but we need it in almost all those places because there's just so much to counterbalance. And then second is, you know, if you if you don't have hot chicken, uh, you know, something spicy um, because it's not easy to get spice out of a slaw. Well, you, it can be done. Um, and pickles, you know, sometimes you get spicy pickles, but uh, it's just another great place to consider to like love. Totally. Um, I think that spice is kind of crucial on a fried chicken sandwich one, uh, one other way that you can introduce it is in the dredge and so adding like cayenne or a, some other kind of chili flake to the actual flour or to the buttermilk brine is a way to get heat into the chicken as well all right at christian s johnson asks ideal type of slaw um ideal type of slaw I think the question is more like slaw, yes or no. Slaw, yes or no. Alternatives being what? Lettuce. And yeah. But I guess if you do go the slaw route, uh, you know, vinegar based or mayonnaise based slaw. But let's return to the, the higher order question coleslaw or something else. Uh, I just. For some reason, Let me guess. iceberg. Yeah, <laughs> it's just calling me. I, I do. I I appreciate a slaw, but I also kind of feel like, you know, there's already mayonnaise on the sandwich. We have that like creamy element. There's crunchy pickles, and I feel like a refreshing 
watery crunch is actually what I want on a fried chicken sandwich I'm, and not a cabbage so one. I'm so aligned. Oh, I so love aligned. that for us. Honestly, the the cabbage slaw is not nearly as crispy. No. Um, it's not. It, it's way sweeter often. Yeah. It's got carrots in it and sugar. You know, sometimes, you know, sugary mayonnaise stuff. And I just feel like just knowing myself and. You're going to uh, hate it. You know. What I'm gonna hate it. I'm just not gonna like that. So why does it have to be on the sandwich? Like, let's put our slaw on the side as it comes mm-hmm. with most other sandwiches. And if you want to have a bite of slaw, have a bite of slaw. You know, you can have your slaw and eat it too. It just can't be on the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, great. So we love iceberg. Yeah, as as well as a massive, just massive pile of pickle chips. Oh yeah. You can never have enough pickle chips in your actual sandwich. Is that true? That's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, maybe I if you're like fully like, lined you up. You always want a few extras just on the side so that you can just, you know, grab a bite, grab a little pickle chip. Yeah, but you also have like an insanely acidic palate. You. That's true. You're I like, do. you I basically like drink acid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in general, pickles for life. Um, so yeah, I think I would say iceberg lettuce. And, and I also feel like because this is a hot chicken preparation, the iceberg should be in like wedges the size of the bun and not shreddus style. Yeah, agreed. Shreddus for gives cold a sandwiches. Bit more crunch. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah, yeah. A few like a, f- a a few good layers. Like I want to have like I want like at least an inch of iceberg on that sandwich. Yeah, as much iceberg as chicken. Yeah, equal parts iceberg and chicken. All right. I feel like that's the effective construction of the, the sandwich. Well, did we talk about the pickles? I mean, we didn't talk about pickles. We just we've noted multiple times that pickles have to be a big part of this, you know, in and around. Is there anything specific we should do? I mean, I've been saying pickle chips because those feel right. Yeah, they do. You know, um, is there something special besides a dill? I mean, a spicy dill could be nice. Um, I, I I don't know why I am going to say this, and I already don't like it. <laughs> say <laughs> but it, but I say feel it. compelled to suggest a bread and butter pickle here, even though oh, I know last I, episode. I actually never thought I'd hear you say it. I think I last episode I was I'd like, "Fuck bread and butter pickles! I never want to <laughs> see one in my life." And now here I am being like, "Bread and butter pickles?" Question mark. Um, but I, not uh, to replace dills, of course, just as an uh, an additive, a secondary. Maybe like, uh, maybe a, a mix. A, I don't know. I just, for some reason, the sweetness feels like there's so much savory action on the sandwich. I am, I am vehemently, opposed. vehemently opposed. But I also feel like I've learned in the course of this season to try and keep an open mind. And somehow this moment is is calling me to do that. So maybe we should do a mix. No, let's not. Let's just go dill pickles. I I actually hate bread and butter pickles. I opened up my heart. I opened up my heart and you just... I literally said that just because like I wanted to see if you would meet me there. You just wanted to test me. I did and you Mm. did, but we don't have to do it. Let's just go dill pickles. Hook, line, and sinker. (laughs) I took it. Oh, man. Okay, cool. So dill pickles it is. No, forget that. I'm going to take a few. I'm going to bring a few bread butters and just see what happens. Oh, really? Oh, the tables have turned. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be convincing we'll you. We'll try both. Okay. I love this. I feel like we answered a lot of questions. Should we move into the make your own, invent your own fried chicken sando phase of this podcast and really get into what we want to make? Yeah. I feel like we've got a lot staked out already. Yeah. 
So let's go from the outside in. Sesame Martin's potato rolls. Yep. Which we'll have to seek out. I don't know if actually, um, do they have, they have them on the West Coast, right? I actually don't know if I've ever seen <gasps> them. No! They're an no! East Coast thing. <laughs> oh my God. The fact that I just only learned that Martin's potato rolls are an East Coast thing and yet I still moved here. I know. Like, what Big am I mistake. doing? We're going to have to order a case because that's the only way we're going to be able to get them. And then we're going to have a fried chicken sandwich party. <laughs> um, next up, the mayo. Let's talk about the mayo because where do we want to go with this? I like the original tartar sauce suggestion, but I want to go like tartar sauce to the extreme. I want it like very pickly. I want to add some like pickled jalapenos or something. Um those are my initial thoughts. What do you think? I all of a sudden just thought of this idea. Mayonnaise that has chili crisp stirred into it. Oh, yeah. And then for acid, we could do like a rice vinegar. Okay. Love that. Are you like are we aligned or are we scared? I'm, I'm you don't have to ask me twice. Well, then then we can put a lot of it in. Yeah, and we'll get crunchy, texture yeah. from it because you know how it's so crunchy. Yeah. And also it'll stain it like this incredible red mm, because it's deep. suspended in that like chili oil. I just like I feel yeah. it. I feel it. Wait, sorry. Back up for a second. Back up for a second. Are we toasting the bun? Yeah, we shall. We shall. Please. Okay. Thank you. Um, We'll toast it in a little. I think toasted on one yeah, side. Of course. The pickle element. Do we still feel dill pickles slash bread and butter pickles knowing that we're going chili crisp? I think it's got to be dills. I'm going to put a few bread and butters on the side to honor what I <laughs> what I opened my heart okay. to. Uh, but I think on the sandwich. The dill picks. And then we're going to do an inch of iceberg, like wedges, like an inch yeah. of you know, properly square or circularly the same diameter as the bun, maybe a little larger for mm -hmm. the drama of it sticking out so that there's as much yeah. iceberg as there is chicken on this sandal. Mm -hmm. And do you think that goes on below the, the chicken or on top of it? Um, I think below. I think that we can arrange it so that it's con convex and then the chicken kind of nestle right in there. Yeah. So then lastly, we have to talk about the chicken and whether you are interested in a dry brine or a wet brine and what kind of seasonings you want in there. I want to do a wet brine. I want buttermilk in it. Um, and I even as I mean, I'm a novice here, so I don't really know. But I do love this idea of pickle juice in the buttermilk brine. Is that a good idea? Hell yeah, let's do it. OK, let's fucking do it. Let's do that. Um, and then let's do, do you want to do any other spices? Like, do you want to do any smoked paprika or onion powder Cayenne or garlic powder? Nice. Yeah. Like let's do things. some spices both in the brine and obviously we'll do salt and sugar in the brine, but then mm -hmm. in the flour dredge, that's another place where we can reintroduce them. Smoked paprika and, and um, onion and garlic powder, just like calling my name and also black pepper as the things we should be adding in here. And so we can whisk Great. them into our flour dredge. And I also want to say that when it comes to dredging and crispy chicken, the best way to achieve that really long lasting crunch is to cut some of the flour with cornstarch. So doing a mm. mixture of cornstarch and all purpose flour in the dredge will help with supremely shattery crispy chicken. 
Oof. I do feel like it's all of a sudden gotten quite complex, the, the frying, but... It takes a little bit of planning. So then here's the other thing about the dredge and the chicken. My technique is to go from buttermilk brine into flour, back into buttermilk brine, back into back flour. Back into flour. The double dredge for mm. the ultimate crust. There's a technique of like really squeezing and pinching the flour into the chicken as you're tossing mm -hmm. it in that final flour dredge. Just that really like the chicken. Yeah, like really manhandle it so that you get like lots of clingy, craggy, floury clumps all over it because those yeah. are the the bits that fry up really nice and crispy. Mm -hmm. And if you're if you don't take the care to do that, you'll have a more of like a one note exterior to your crispy chicken. So that's what we'll do. All right. That's really all I need in my fried chicken sandwich. It's it's complex, but it's also simple, you know? Yeah. All right. Well I need to go locate a case of Martin's potato rolls now. <laughs> that is my mission and I will see I'll you. I'll go turn some butter. And, yeah, great. You start uh, turning uh, we'll the butter. butter <laughs> okay, big. I'll see you soon. All right, big. See ya. Bye. First order of business is let's get this chicken out of the buttermilk pickle brine and into the dredge. And we need to add some spices to the dredge. Okay. Don't you want to? Yeah, absolutely. Hit the spice drawer. Okay. So just to recap, we have flour, cornstarch, smoked paprika, red pepper flakes, onion powder, salt, pepper. Dredge and it up. The chicken has been brining in pickle brine, buttermilk, cayenne, and more smoked paprika. Into the dredge. And then back into the buttermilk. Back into the dredge. And then back into the dredge. And also, I want, to put an, I want to put an egg in here. It helps with the clingage. Eggy egg. I'm gonna start the mayo. Okay. I pulled out two different chili crisps. I was thinking we could do a mix of both just because we have them. Oh, nice. They're both good. I mean, do it to taste, obviously. And, and rice vinegar. I also got some rice vinegar to brighten it up a bit. Pinching and squeezing it once it's coated to kind of like rough really it up. Just, yeah, get it like... Get craggies. <laughs> Crag out with your wag out. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it feels right. Picks, where's the pickles? I already took the picks out, they're on your board. No, not these pickle chips. Oh, what kind of pickles? That's what you want me to use? I was oh, just... I was thinking we'd do pickles on the sandwich, not in the mayo. Did you want to do them in the mayo? Yeah, I want to do both. Okay. Drop two chickens, please. Drop a what? Drop two chickens, please. Okay, order fire chicken. <laughs> order fire chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Buns are toasty. Buns are toasty. All right, where are we assembling? Lettuce? Over here. Okay, Pickles here we on go. Bottom. There we go. Pickles on bottom, always. On top. On top. Pickles everywhere. Mm. This looks like upgraded McDonald's. That's exactly what we went. Remember when I said we're doing it? I we're said, entering the wars. Let the games begin. Let the games begin. Battle, These are the games. Battle has commenced. We're now playing the game. Okay, should we go outside or are we doing this here? Um, let's just do it. It's so messy. I feel like we should just eat it right here and right now and call it a day. It's legitimately the best chicken sandwich I've ever had. Ever. 
This chicken, this chicken sandwich just won the war. We just won. We won. Another great success. A smashing success. Expect we won the war. Less. We won the war. We have one episode over. left. One last glorious episode. And it's going to be a special one. So we hope you guys join us next week for the final episode of season one of the Sandwich Universe. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Cabot Creamery, and to the Food 52 Podcast Network. To and Coral I'm- Lee for producing our podcast. And to Jeffrey Brodsky for the music. <laughs> we will see you next week for our final episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.